Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome back to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and I am back today with my co-host, Doug West. We are here to talk Wolves. We're actually going to talk about the Final Four as well. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to go through our All-NBA teams. Each of us brought our three All-NBA teams. So I'm going to be, it's going to be really interesting to just kind of dive into that, but we'll save that for a little while. First, I want to talk to Doug. We want to talk about Final Four and Obviously, Doug went to Villanova. They were in the Final Four, did not make the championship game. But last time we talked, they did not play. They hadn't played their Final Four game yet. So I guess we can do a quick little rundown of the first two games, and then we can talk about the championship game a little more in depth. But how are you feeling after your after your Wildcats uh, loss there in that Final Four game? <laughs> uh, well, good good to talk with you again, Brendan, and. Uh... You know, that uh, final four game was, um, you know, what what I expected. Um, you know, I didn't expect Kansas to come out real quick and go up 10-0. But uh, knowing that, um, you know, Justin Moore wasn't going to be available, um, knowing that we were going to be using some guys for longer stretches off the bench, uh, you know, you, you, tend to, you tend to start wondering. Um, and Kansas came out uh, like men. Um, Went up quick, 10-0. Uh, Nova was able, you know, to have a little run there. Um, got it, you know, I think they cut it. The closest they got was to eight. Um, but it was just men against, uh, <laughs> I mean, McCormick was just a man inside uh, finishing. And um, what's his name? Abba, Abba, Abba Gobi? Abba, uh, number 30. Oh, number 30 Agbaji. for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Agbaji, yes, yeah, 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 shooter. I mean, he comes out, makes his first five threes. Yeah, um, he you was know, hot. six for seven from the field. He was, uh, he was just outstanding for them. Um, and you know, they they just played a played a great game. Um, and you know, we did as much as we could, but you know, really happy uh, for Villanova and the way they finished up the season. Um, you know, didn't know what to expect going into it. Uh, guys playing for the first time. Um, you know, Brandon Slater. Um, and Eric Dixon, guys who haven't really had a lot of time, um, getting their opportunity. Um, and they, they just had a, a solid year, another 30, 30 win season. And uh, you got to be with, with, uh, with that, um, with that outcome as an alum yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I think, like you said, more plays, it's probably, uh, at least a much closer game than the, the 16 point game that it ended up being, but I thought that was a solid game. Um, <laughs> You know, like you said, Agbaji, I don't know how to say his first name. I might not even be saying his last name right. But just coming out. It sounds better than me. Just coming out, (laughs) hitting those threes right away, just kind of, you know, pretty much sealed the deal from from the get-go. He was six or seven on the night, and he was, I mean, he just did enough damage right away that it didn't really matter. Um, The other game that was played was Duke versus UNC, and Earlier in the season, uh, UNC spoiled Coach K's final game at home 
And then UNC goes out and spoils his chance at a national championship in his last season. What'd you think about that game uh, against Duke and UNC there? Two bitter rivals going against each other in the final four, which is cool. The NBA playoffs are about to start, the seating is getting hot, and there's no better time to get in on the action. If you're looking to wager on these NBA games, head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your updated odds, info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today and learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Two bitter rivals. Um, loved loved the game. Um, loved both games, actually. Um, you know, I, I had the chance to coach against uh, Duke in, I think it was 2009, um, during our run to the Final Four. And it was the first time I had ever, you know, really um, played against Duke, played against a Duke team, coach against a Duke team. So it was it was exciting, um, you know, looking, you know, 13 years, uh, what, 12 years later, um, 13 years later, um, seeing them again in the Final Four against North Carolina. Great game. Um, I mean, if you want to look at a game that looked like an NBA game um, from beginning to end, uh, it was, it was that game. I mean, there were, you know, there were a lot of pros on the court um, in in that game. Um, And uh, you know, again, um, North Carolina, um, you know, Caleb love um, strong down the stretch, um, you know, strong second half. Uh, I think he scored 26 points in the second half Uh, outstanding performance. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, just a, a great, uh, great basketball game. You know, it was back and forth, uh, you know, for 40 minutes. And uh, it was, it was, it was, it was just a good solid game. Um, and I was, I was very pleased. Yeah. I, I, that game, like you said, obviously a little bit closer game than, than the Nova game, but the way that Caleb Love was able to just, I mean, dominate that game in the second half was fantastic. I think he ended up with 28 points and scored, yeah, I think 26 of them in the second half, which is just crazy. And then you got good minutes out of, you know, R.J. Davis played really good in that game. And Manic shot the three well. I think he made three of his six threes. <laughs> but even on the Duke side, like Paolo Banchero had himself a nice game. And uh, Wendell Moore played decently. And then Trevor Keels off the bench had a fantastic night, too. I think he was, he had like 19 points, but it just wasn't, it wasn't quite enough. And um, I mean, that's, that's how coach K goes out is he's losing to his, his bitter rival. And I don't know, you know, if he'll ever come out with the truth about how he feels about that, but I'm sure he's (laughs) a little frustrated with that, with that being the fact. Well, how about, how about the fact that they've played Duke a hundred, I mean, they played North Carolina a hundred times and it's 100 times 50. And it's 50, 50. I mean, Crazy. like, I mean, how you can't, you couldn't write that up. I mean, right. you know, you go into it, your last two games, you're up 50 to 48 and you lose two games to them to yeah. end up tied. I mean, that was just, uh, that was, that was amazing there. Especially <laughs> when you've been, you've been the higher ranked team. I mean, all season, right. You got the more star talent, you got the pros um, that are going to get drafted this year on your side and to lose twice to them this year to even up that scores. I mean, that's got to, yeah, that's like a, you couldn't, like you said, you couldn't write something, 
something better than that. So. No, and it's, and it's hard, you know, you know, Duke comes in to have, you know, a lot of young, young players, uh, the North Carolina players have been through some things, you know, in the past and past few years, um, but they did have a rookie coach, um, right. but a rookie coach who really, really wants to beat Duke. I mean, yeah. you think the players want to beat him? Well, you know, as a former player, knowing about our rivalries we had in college, I know Hubert Davis is sitting there thinking uh, we have to, we have to win this game, especially after getting blown out the first time at Chapel Hill. Yeah. So, you know, that was uh, definitely one of those things. Yeah, definitely got some revenge from that first game, their first meeting of the season. Uh, got it twice, yes. you know, kind of spoiled that yes. thing there. Let's move on to the championship game, which happened just last night. If I didn't already mention it. We're recording on Tuesday. The Wolves do play tonight. Not sure exactly when this will come out. But so last night um, was the national championship game between UNC and Kansas. And that was a that game was something else. It was dominated by Kansas right away. You had the comeback <laughs> by UNC to take, I think all the way up to like a 16 point lead. And then just the slow demise of UNC in that second half. And then they just couldn't quite claw their way back after Kansas took the lead. So what was your, I mean, what's your initial reaction to, to that game? It was a, a game of two totally different halves. I mean, or you could just put it in 10 minute segments. I mean, you know, the first 10 minutes of the game, it was, it was tight. Um, that last uh, 10 minutes of the first half, you know, I think the score at one point was, I think it was 22-20. And then, you know, at halftime, you know, North Carolina's up, you know, 40 to 25. And you're looking at Kansas, they, they look like they had just been, you know, they were in shock. Uh, right. It was, it was, it was, it was shock. Um, and, you know, in, in that stretch, you know, uh, um, North Carolina got a lot of, easy baskets. Um, they, they were able to get out in transition and, and they made some, made some shots. And then you take the first 10 minutes of the second half. I mean, Kansas came out and the defensive intensity was, it was just, you could just look at it on the court and know that, you know, their, their thing was, we have to, we have to buckle down defensively and keep, keep them out of the lane. And then to flip it on the offensive side, they just put their heads down and drove the ball. Um, and to, I think, I think, it, you know, when they finally took the lead, I think it was like a 30, was it like a 31 to 10 run, um, you know, in that second half. And then you go down the last five minutes of the game and it's, it's back and forth. It's just a, it's just a, a great battle. Um, and then you come down to the last uh, minute of the game, you know, unfortunate the Baycock goes down, you know, hurt there with 35 seconds, but McCormick was just, he was just a man in there. I he mean, was dominating. That little baby <laughs> jump hook was a little baby jump hook was unstoppable. And then the pursuit of rebounds by both teams was just, you know, out, outstanding. And I think with Baycott and Manic, you had like uh, one head 16, one head 14. Then you go to the other side, McCormick and Braun, you know, Braun decides to post up love in the second half. And he's, he's just around the board and just had a, an outstanding game as well. So just a great game um you know comes down to the last possession i couldn't believe <laughs> my man stepped out of bounds getting the getting the ball in bounds and give them that opportunity there yeah um, that i was, thought love uh, was gonna knock that shot down <laughs> i so i mean it kind of looked like he did knock that shot down like instant reaction i'm like i don't know if that went in and then you see like how everybody <laughs> reacts you're like okay it didn't go Reacts in, right that uh the game was just yeah, like you said, breaking up into those 10-minute chunks, 
Kansas didn't. I wouldn't say they dominated that first 10-man chunk, but they did enough to get some separation, and UNC just they couldn't hit anything. And then it got to the point where UNC just started hitting everything. Bra- or Manic just started dropping threes. Um, and then on the later, in the second half, once, once UNC started to give up their run, I really felt like, like uh, Armando Baycott was kind of forcing it on the inside. He didn't have a great shooting night. As great as he played defensively, rebounding the ball, like you said, he ended with 15 rebounds. But I mean, he shot 13, he made, he shot 13 twos and he only made three of them. So I, I kind of felt like he was forcing it on the inside there. Um, but he was so valuable to what they were doing on the other side of the floor, but it just felt like that was the turning point where Kansas just made their run back. Um, and Kansas just never backed down. They were just right there and they took advantage of those missed shots, got rebounds and they were ready to go. Yeah, I, th- I think if you look at Kansas' last three games, they really did a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I can't remember who they played right before they got to the uh, Final Four, but they were they were down in that game and, you know, a, a, a big run in the second half. And again, through their defensive intensity, um, you know, the Villanova game, you know, it was the defensive intensity from the beginning. And, you know, you finish up last night. And, you know, you go back to that Villanova game, the last few times those two have played, the winner of that game has won the championship. So, uh, you know, it's always uh, it's one of those good things you look at when you're when you're playing. You say, well, we won. So hopefully, you know, that that will happen in uh, Kansas again. You know, Bill Self gets his second second national championship. Um, You know, very, very, very good team. And, uh, you know, they'll always be a team that's uh, someone you have to deal with. For sure. Uh I want to talk about the end of the game a little bit. So UNC comes down, they have a decent amount of time left on the clock. And (laughs) I just felt like they just chucked up some shit. Like they were like, who I remember who took it. It was like a 35 footer with like eight. I think it was was Johnson, the Johnson kid pulled up. They got the rebound, shot another one. Couldn't get it. Ball goes out of bounds. I just felt like they, well, my first question was, why didn't Hubert Davis call a timeout there? He had at least one, maybe two. I just felt like maybe settling down the game, just getting everybody in position, drawing up a play. Then you could still take your t- your shot with like, you know, six seconds left. Hope you get a rebound if you miss it. But I just, it just felt like I'm going to try to hit the shot and, and nobody hit it. But I wish Davis would have called that timeout, set his guys up, tried to get something, something rolling. But obviously he's coaching in the, He's coaching in the NCAA championship and I'm coaching ninth grade boys. So obviously there's a stark difference here, but I just wish that he would have used a timeout in that situation. Well, I think he's going to reflect on that. I think he's going to look back and realize that, you know, I had two timeouts, you know, and as a, as a first year head coach, um, you know, we talked about, you know, you move over that six inches um, and now it's, you know, that, that call is yours. And, a lot of things are going through your head and you're not wanting them to set their defense and you're hoping That's that you have, true. have them in a situation where you, you know, you may have them on their heels and you can get something. Now, once you didn't get anything right away and once they got that rebound, I thought Manic should have called the timeout. Right. Um, but, you know, looking back, he didn't. Um, and, you know, when you, when, when Hubert thinks back on that, I'm sure he's going to think about those timeouts and how valuable that could have been. For sure. I just, 
I think at the end too, when they did get the ball back, you know, by God's grace, by him stepping out of bounds there. Um, I really do wonder what the final play call was. Cause I, I know Caleb love <laughs> got the ball, but I, if you, I'm sure you saw it too, but Manic slips or gets tripped or whatever happened there as he's trying to go out opposite. I mean, it would have been a long pass, but I kind of feel like that's who he's going for. Caleb love wasn't too hot. Um, Manic had hit some threes. I don't remember what he shot overall. He was, uh, three for six from three again in this game. So I, I wonder what that final play call was and maybe what would have happened. It'll be a, what if, you know, if he doesn't trip, what's that look like, but still, if he makes a three, you still got overtime and you know, that's not the game winner. That's just, you're fighting for another four or five minutes to try and get that, get that win. So I just, it's just a, one of those, what if situations. Yeah. We always think, you know, that what if, and then we look at who did take the shot. Caleb right. Love has made the big shots. Um, for sure. You know, they say that he 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 lives for those moments. Um, and, you know, everybody in the, the 70,000 people there probably thought he was going to get the ball. So you, you, you're probably correct. And that that timeout was a little I – mean, we had a few coaches in that timeout drawing up some mm-hmm. things. So it was it was a little hectic over there in that sideline. So, uh, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting to see what the, what the play really was. For sure. But at the end of the day, Kansas, they did come out, obviously, winning by three there. Um, like I told you last spot, like I was a big Kansas fan <laughs> in like, you know, middle school and high school. So I'm happy to see it. But I, I really actually was rooting for UNC in that one. I like the underdog story. The last thing I want to say about this game was uh, there wasn't any like big time scores. I think the high score was 15. And I think like four or five guys tied with 15 points. But it didn't have like that. I'm taking over this national championship game. I'm like cementing myself as, you know, with a legacy. I mean, Remy Martin came through big a few times. Um, McCormick, like you said before, just dominated that little stretch, but it's just kind of like nobody really took it by the throat and just like made that game theirs, which I think was part of the beauty of it too. Is just kind of like some team basketball guys filling in for each other. You know, love didn't have a great night. He was getting help from other guys that, don't necessarily have games like that all the time. So I thought that was cool, but also interesting that nobody scored over 15. Yeah, I think I think we had those guys who, who tried to put a, put their stamp on the game. Uh, it just wasn't there. And, and I really, you know, I was looking at some of Caleb Love's shots, and they all seemed short yesterday. And you wonder if, you know, the emotion from that Duke game, there, there's definitely a lot of emotion from that game. Um, and then, you know, you're going into that game, you know, Monday night, heavy legs as that game gets gone, <laughs> you know, it's let your shot be short. Right. Uh, so, you know, but again, both teams, great seasons. Um, and at the end of the year, only one team can win. And uh, it's the Jayhawks this time. For sure. And I just had to go look up who even won most outstanding player. Cause I never heard. Oh, and looking yeah. at the box score. You can figure it out. did end up winning it. Um, usually you can watch the game. You're like, that's the guy. And I just yes. watching the game. I'm like, you know, it could be McCormick because of his stretch could have been Agbaji, could have been Remy Martin. I, I had to go double check that I knew who it was. All right. So we are back. We just finished up talking about the final four and now we're going to move into some Timberwolves specific talk. So last time that we talked, that would have been right before the Wolves played Denver, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto right before Toronto. Toronto. Okay, so since then, 
They lost to Toronto in a game that they had a big lead, blew the big lead, and then proceeded to get blown out, which was not fun. They chose <laughs> to not play any defense there. Um, part of it I get, you're at the end of like a long road trip or in the middle of a long road trip, you're trying to like, you know, you're tired, you played some tough games. Um, I would have loved to see them come out and take that game by the throat and just, you know, that would have really helped their six seed odds. Obviously, they didn't end up getting that one. Um, but they bounced back. They beat Denver, a really good win um, against the Nuggets there. And then they also just won against Houston, which is a game that you would think they dominate. And they pretty much did <laughs> until the fourth quarter. And then that game ended up being a lot closer than it ever should have been. So what are your takeaways from those three games that have happened since we last talked? And just any, is there anything that I guess stood out to you that you were like, okay, this is good. It's going to be good for the playoffs. You know, this is not so good. What are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. When, when you look at the um, Toronto game, um, you know, as, as we talked on our last uh, episode um, with Nick and Chris knowing each other so well. I think even when I was watching the game, I heard they went out to dinner uh, the night before the game. So, you know, them knowing each other so well, you, you knew it was going to be one of those fights where a team was going to go on a run. The other team's going to come back on their run. You know, as we always say, the NBA is a game of runs. Um, you know, basketball in itself is a game of runs. Um, and, you know, Cat came out, started real quick. Um, real quick. He's really, really quick in his first quarters, first half of games, um, you know, able to get get going. Um, but, you know, Siakam and Van Fleet and, and that that team, they're just they're just their execution is just is just so, so well. They execute the ball so well. And the aggressiveness that they played on the defensive end, I think it kind of got to the wolves a little bit. Um, you know, they're a very aggressive Eastern Conference team. They, they like to get up in you. Um, they use a lot of hands. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of non-calls going on in those games. Um, you know, so it, it, it looked like you had some players frustrated on the court. Then as the game proceeded, um, you know, it seemed like Anthony, you know, <laughs> he, he's just handling that ball out there, you know, had a lot of stagnant offense going on in that game. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, you know, that's got to keep the ball moving, um, get those, take those open shots when you can um, and, and just, just keep the ball moving, keep players moving. Um, you know, once, once a team had a chance to settle in and, and, and guard, uh, they were, they were really good. And the other, the other aspect of that, like you said, Toronto's just a good Eastern conference team. They're fighting for playoff position too, at that time, you know, they're trying to solidify themselves as that sixth seed. I think they've pretty much done that now. They're like two and a half games up on the Cavs, but at that time, they weren't necessarily in that spot um, locked up like that. So they were trying to get that locked up. They had a lot to fight for. I think it's just a really bad matchup for the Timberwolves yeah. too. When you got <laughs> long athletic guys that can switch. And when the Wolves decide to just let guys hit open, shoot open shots, like teams are going to hit them. Obviously there's some luck involved with shooting that high a percentage, but when you're giving them clean looks like that, you can't imagine that they're going to shoot 35%. Like they're going to hit more than their average if you're letting them shoot with nobody near you. So I, it was a bad loss. I also just think it's a really bad matchup. Yeah, I, I agree more with the matchup. I mean, it was definitely a bad loss, but when I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the players on the court, it is a bad matchup. Um, you know, 
they don't really go big. Um, you know, you have cat out there guarding, <laughs> you know, these, these small, actually, they're probably small forwards if you, right. if you really had some real bigs on the team. But again, that's that positionless basketball that we talk about. Everyone loves to play it. Um, Toronto's going to spread the floor and they're going to shoot threes and, and you know it. So, you know, you have to, you have to make multiple plays on defense and, and try to run those three point shooters off, off the line, but they're going to make sure that ball keeps moving and, and they work on it a lot every day. And both teams do the, do the, do the same thing. You know, they work on, you know, driving that ball and moving it and, uh, taking those open threes. So, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of mirroring yourself when you're playing them. Um, so you, you, you gotta be ready for sure. The Denver game. It's a lot better. We, uh, I shouldn't say we, as if I'm part of the team, the Timberwolves, they, I mean, the game was close for a lot of parts and they actually did like give up the lead there for a little bit, but it seemed like they were always in control of that game pretty much from the get go. And I just thought it was a really great game. Obviously, Nikola Jokic himself um, had a dominating performance. I'm pretty sure he ended up with like 35, yeah, 37. 38, 19, mm. and eight, just dominant. But, you know, he was a plus four. And in the minutes that he sat, you know, the, the Timberwolves beat the Nuggets by 10. So when the supporting cast around Jokic isn't, isn't that good, it's going to, it's going to be a lot harder for them to win. And that's kind of what he's been dealing with all season. But I think the reason the game was even bigger than that was, it kept your sixth seed hopes alive. You had to win that game. I don't know if you for sure had to, but it would have been almost impossible a, to make that six. It's a big seed. win. And it's still, I mean, it's still a long shot, but but there's still light there at the end of the tunnel. Um, so that was huge. I thought Cat had a really good performance too. He even dealt with some foul trouble, but still um was able to get 37 points. And he shot the ball really well too. He actually shot some threes, which was good. He hasn't been shooting threes lately. So I thought overall really good win was cool to see the biggest thing I thought outside of cat, just playing well, cat always shows up to play against, against those big name, you know, the Embiid's and go bears and Jokic's, but D'Angelo Russell didn't have a great game the last three quarters, but that first quarter and even part of that second quarter, it was good to see him get some shots up because he had not been scoring the ball. Well, like at all lately. And he needed to, I mean, the Wolves need him to get into a rhythm as they're going into the playoffs and heading into that Denver game, he had scored, um, 13, four, 15, six, 18, 16, six. He hadn't scored 20 points since March 1st. That was the last time he scored 20 points before that game. Um, so it's good to see him get back into a rhythm in that one. Yeah, it was, it was good to see him get back in rhythm. And it's, it was funny because I mentioned his name on our first our first episode and you kind of like said D'Angelo and I didn't, you know, like I didn't get it. And then I was watching that game and it said he had, I think he'd averaged 11 points over his last 11 games. And I was like, Oh, that's why I got that look. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he comes out and he, he came out, he came out, uh, you know, him and cat the first quarter again, you know, I think they had 28 of the first, I think it was 40 points in the first half in the first quarter. And I think the two of them scored 28 of those 40 or yeah, those 40 points and he shot the ball. Well, um, you know, he was able to get downhill. Uh, you know, I thought cat shot the ball. Well, he played aggressively um, taking the, taking the ball to the hole. And, you know, I, I think that the, the tone of the game was set 
by our tone setter, who is Patrick Beverly, right. right from the beginning, you know, defensively on the point guard, up under him, making life miserable. Um, and he just set the tone for the game and the bench as well. Um, I thought the bench um, came in. I think that was Beasley's first game back. Um, yeah. Yep. And and, you know, he came in, played well, uh, had a, had a strong game. And it was it was a, it was a big win. It was a, it was a big win. And as you said, you know, Denver they they came back. Uh, they they did take the lead, um, but Ant in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was woke up, kind of trying to find his his time. And the fourth quarter came, and you know, he was able to put put up a put up a good showing in the fourth quarter and and have a solid game. Um, it's, and it's crazy to me when you think Anthony Edwards can just sleepwalk through. <laughs> an entire game then you get to the fourth quarter step back three step back three you know he had all five of his shots scored 14 points i'm waiting for that to go like i'm just waiting for that to translate all game long you know right. and we've seen it a couple times and that's when he's dropped like 48 points against golden state 40 points against phoenix last year i wonder because I, I feel like Anthony Edwards is a like big moment, like it's right, it's go time, like I'm ready to go. I'm really excited to see playoff Anthony Edwards, see how dominant, how motivated he is to go out and win those games. Because I think he likes those big moments. I'm ready to see how he looks in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I'm ready to see that, too. And I think that, you know, he's he does like the big moments, but I think he's also trying to he's he's seeing how these playoff teams are playing him and right. the physicality of the game has has turned up. You know, what has surprised me is how many points we're giving up. Right. <laughs> you know, we're scoring a lot of points, uh, but we're still giving up a lot of points. And as you get into playoff basketball, you don't see the free flow um, as, as, as much as you do um, throughout the regular season. So it's going to come down to that half court executing offense, executing your offense and being able to, to make, make tough shots and tough plays um, versus tough defense. So I look forward to Ant, you know, figuring it out over these, you know, last three games and, and coming in um, during the playoffs and ready to go. Yeah. And I totally think that, I think the biggest thing is, like you said, the defense. We talked about this last time. They've been kind of mixing up the coverages, trying to figure out what they can do. I think that's been some of it. They've gone to some zone lately, but then a lot of it has just been like they haven't woken up to like play defense or they've been getting comfortable and getting stagnant um, with their rotating and their Xing out and, and the scrambling. I think a big thing is Jaden McDaniels looks like he's on his way back. Uh, he was, he hasn't played yet, but he, yes, as of yesterday on Monday, they upgraded him to doubtful for tonight's game on the injury report. And then today they upgraded him from doubtful to questionable on the injury report. So I, I mean, I'd be surprised if he plays tonight, but I would be kind of surprised if he doesn't play in the Wolves next game, which is on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, Tuesday, so, oh, Thursday, Sunday, Sunday. Yes, right. So Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play on Thursday, and I'd be shocked if he doesn't play Sunday because I think they want to get him some game action. I, I mean, as long as he's healthy to go, you know, not going to force him to go if he's not healthy. But the upgrading—I mean, he's been playing in scrimmages. 
I mean, the upgrades on the injury report make it seem like they're comfortable with where he's at. And maybe it's just more of like, how's his conditioning? And you probably have some sort of like minutes restriction and whatnot, but like, that's one of your better defenders on your team, a really versatile defender, you know, long, he can, you know, make hay with some of those guards. He can also be a, you know, a weak side rim protector. And he just can do a lot of things on defense. And that, I mean, the, there's no question the Wolves have been missing him and his impact over these past, I don't know, handful of games that he's missed. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I would think that they would have to, you know, get him some, some playing time and, you know, hopefully he might get a few minutes, but tonight, but hopefully he is back Thursday and, and Sunday just to get his legs under you. I mean, you know, you have to get that game, that game play in there. And then, right. if, you know, you're jumping right into, you know, well, hopefully we make the sixth and you're jumping into the playoffs. You get a little more time to rest. Right. But if he's, you know, in the playing game, then you have to be ready to play. So I'm sure that they'll, they'll figure it out, uh, get his get his his wind and everything right, get his legs right and uh, see where we go from there. Because, yes, he is definitely needed on the court with that with that wingspan on that body of his. I mean, that's I told you he's the longest person I've probably ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, what I did notice in that Denver game, it seemed like Cat on those ball screens, he was he was getting up. Um, he was getting up a little higher on those ball screens. So it might've been something that they had, they adjusted to. Yeah. And there was a part in that game. It was, it was funny. I, I was laughing because the assistant coach, I don't know which assistant coach it was. You can hear him during the game. He is yelling for the, whoever, I don't know which player it was, but there was a three point shooter in the corner and he is screaming, do not leave him. Do not stay leave home. Him. Stay home. Stay home. That was it. Stay it was, home. It was stay home. Stay home. Mike Inori was screaming. I thought it was Finch at first. And I look at Finch and he's not saying anything. Mike Inori was screaming, stay home. Stay and they home. just didn't yes. stay home. They did not stay yeah. home. They just throw the ball to the guy three-pointer. I was like, yeah. oh. so, you know, knowing your assignments, knowing the personnel on the court and, and what you're supposed to do. It's very important, especially as we get into the playoffs here. For sure. And and yeah, I think Cat too has been like, I think he's had a big focus on when he is playing up at the level of the screen of trying to get the guards to go east-west instead of you know going north-south. And he's done good sometimes, and then sometimes not so good. Um, but yeah, I, I did notice that too, is he's just a lot higher, a lot yes. higher on that too. Um, so then they played Houston, and the Houston game... <laughs> Started out great. I mean, they had 80 points in the first half. Did they hit 80? It was, it was, it was uh, actually. I'm trying to think if it was 80 or 78. They had, yeah, 80 points in the first half. It was, yes, 80. Yes, yes. Because the final score was 139 to 132. I mean, like, that's, (laughs) it's a lot of points. And it was a pretty (laughs) bad fourth quarter for the Wolves. They only scored 23 and they still ended up 139. So they entered the, fourth quarter with 113 points, points. or no 100, <laughs> 116 points. They were, they yes, were on pace for yes. like 150 and then they didn't quite get 150 out 139. But the problem was they let Houston score 40 points in that fourth quarter and take what was like a 27 point lead at one point, I think 27, something like that down to a seven point lead. They only won by seven. Yeah, you, you, you got to close that game out and you just, you know, we can't we can we can't let it get, you know, within 15, 20 points. And you have that when you have that lead, you know, it's you know, it's it's more about focusing on closing the game out. You have other guys playing in the game, you know, they, they have to come in and, and make sure that 
they're putting their identity on, on the game as well. And, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you leave out of there, you know, yeah, you, you know, you, you got the win, but you want to get that big win and feel good about yourself going home uh, to a three game home stretch to finish out the season. It was the last road game, uh, you know, so way to finish up with that W, but, you know, you still want to keep that separation, the separation in the score there. For sure. And like we said, last away game, um, so you're at the end of a road trip. I think they played like four games on the road. So that's part of it. But still, you know, like that's the team with the worst record in the NBA. But I mean, at the same time, we want to talk bad matchup thing. And I know we've dominated the Rockets before, but like they got athletes. If you yes. are not energized, I mean, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Josh Christopher, uh, Jay Sean Tate. I mean, you just go down the entire list. They got just quick, athletic guys. Kenyon Martin Jr., Usman Garuba, that's all who played. Or I guess Shengu, and he's like the one exception on that roster that played that isn't like a freak athlete. So the Wolves being a little bit tired, maybe underselling those guys. They had energy, and the Wolves didn't have enough. And that's, I mean, that's on the Wolves. You got to be ready to play. You know, that's not like an excuse. Like, you got to show up to play no matter how bad the team is. I mean, the Wolves lost two games to Orlando this year. Orlando's a bottom dweller in the standings too. They know they have to show up. They just, they didn't. Yeah, they would love those two games from Orlando back right now too. Yeah, they, so, I mean, they those... would love those couple games, a couple other games they'd love back, but I'm sure there's other teams. I'm sure Philly would love that double OT game against the Wolves back or triple right. OT or whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, you kind of get that. I'm not like, you drop some games here, you win some games you shouldn't here. I'm I'm not overly I mean it sucks because you're two games back from the sixth seed right now, but I I totally understand too. It's like that's how the NBA works. Sometimes you yeah, just that's lose you hit games it. you, you should right there. You hit it right there. That's how the NBA works. You lose games, guys just you know, everyone thinks you should win that game and you just don't have it that day. And you always gotta remember that. Those guys on the other team are pros too. <laughs> yeah, it's like for sure. The other thing um, I want to talk about when it comes to the Wolves is I remember just watching the Wolves over the past handful of seasons. They always would say on the broadcast, and whoever I'd talk to would say, "You know, you're get you're becoming a good team when you win your home games." And the Wolves this season are 25 and 13 at home, so they've done their job winning those home games for the most part. And I didn't know how much I believed in that or like how big of thing that was, but it, I mean, obviously the wolves now with one of the best records they've had in a long time, they've been winning their home games. What do you think the importance of winning at home mean, you know, means for a team? Oh, it's, it's, it's the most important thing. You always want to take care of your, home court i mean you know that's you know you practice there you, you spend a lot of time there your fans are there um it's you know that's you know it's like someone coming into your house and instilling something you know it's you know you you want to play well at home you want your fans to be involved that's why you always say that that six man is is, is your fans and the timberwolves fans have always been supportive uh and when a team's playing well they're, they're even more supportive and you know that you know the target center can get get very loud um, and we have an exciting team right now. Um, you know, they play, they play together, they, they move the ball. Um, they're exciting. So winning at home, it's, it's really important. Um, you know, that's, 
you, you know, the road is just so hard. You just don't know what's, what's going to go on in the road. There's just, you know, and again, you're in unfamiliar territory. Um, you know, you're going in the other team, their fans are on you um, the whole game. Um, now, personally, I love playing on the road. Um, I loved the fans being against you, um, but I also loved playing at home, um, especially at the target, target center. So taking care of that home court is, is it's, it's one of the most important things, especially going into the playoffs. Um, you know, you're going to have a, a game at home, hopefully, and uh, you want to win that. You know, you want to have your fans behind you and be able to, to get that W. I mean, for sure, they're going to have a play-in game at home. They, they're they at worst going to be the seventh seed. Um, right. So they actually have – they if they lose, they'll still have another game at home. Another game at home. Um, yeah. So really, they're guaranteed two – Two more. At least two home games because if they win the play-in, then they got that one plus two more in the series. They lose the play-in. They have another one at home. And if they won that one, then they'd have two more home games. So, yeah, I think – I've always, like I said, I didn't really believe it, but I get it. I get it now. And hearing you talk about it, you know, helps me get it a little bit more. And now I'm just kind of like scanning through the Timberwolves record at home lately. And I don't have an exact number, but just kind of looking at the wins and losses. I think a lot of their winning at home has been happening lately, you know, outside of a couple of games against like, you know, they lost to Phoenix at home, um, but they've been taking care of business against pretty much everybody else at home, which has been great to see that too. So hopefully they can, you know, if they get into that six or seven seed, I mean, maybe they do lose both road games. They go down 2-0, but you come back, maybe you can steal two games and force at least a six-game series. Um, should be really cool because, I mean, when's the last time the Wolves have really done any, made any noise in the playoffs? Like when they were the eight seed, <laughs> sure, they won one game at home, but like, that was the least inspiring like first round series. I could imagine that wasn't a sweep. Like they didn't look good at all in that series against Houston four years ago. Um, so hopefully they look better than that this year. I think they match. hopefully will match up with opponents better as long as they don't have to face Phoenix in the first round. Um, but yeah, just overall really cool to see um, them be taking care of those, those home games. Yeah, it's 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 it is really cool to win at home. And like I said, you know, you got three games to finish up your season at home. And if you have a playing game, it's going to be at home. So you're gonna you're gonna get some time at home for a while too. So it's always it's always a good thing there. So uh, some home cooking, um, all those all those good things that home brings to you. Okay, um, just a heads up. People will know this by the time they listen to this, but Jaden McDaniels actually is playing in tonight's game. Um, I don't know minutes wise or whatever, but he will be playing. So it'll be interesting to see like what he gets tonight and you know, how he plays. I mean, I'm sure he'll be pretty restricted, but, um, yeah, I think that it will turn out to be a good thing that he does get those minutes. And we already kind of talked about that. All right. Any last thoughts on the wolves before we turn this over and go through our all NBA teams quick. Yeah, my, I just, I just, you know, hoping that they turn that defensive intensity up and uh, we get some lower scores from our opponents. Uh, you know, right? We can go, we can score one thirty, but let's keep the other team to about a hundred, so uh, you know we don't have to worry about it. And it's, you know, it's all, it's all going to come down to the defensive end as we move down the road here. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'm with you. I hope the defense starts to start to kick it up a notch. 
Um, let's go into these all NBA teams. So I had to pull up my phone to get them because I wrote them down when I was at work on my break today. Um, <laughs> so you want to, I think we'll just start and kind of go through. Um, okay, hold, maybe hold just, on, hold on, hold on one second. Let me, okay. let me, let me, let me start by saying. You okay, go for it. My son, my son, you know, I, I had to, I had to pull Tyson into this and, you know, had to ask him his thoughts on it. So, you know, this, these are, you know, we, we agree. A culmination. It's a culmination of, of the, our, our teams. Um, so you want me to go first? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this to piggyback off what you say. I don't watch enough of every team to have a perfect <laughs> answer. So I do have to like, you know, turn to people I trust that, that watch some of these other teams and kind of get their opinions. But I feel like I watch enough and I know enough to give a general one. But again, I don't have a vote. I'm glad I don't have a vote because it would probably be not very good. <laughs> I think we should go at it like this. I think we go, we'll each give like a guard off of our first team. And okay. then if we agree, like if I give a guard and you have the same one, we'll talk about them quick. Then we'll go to the next one. Um, and if we disagree, then we'll each give ours that way. So yeah, I can go ahead and start first. Okay. I have I have Luka Doncic on my first team as a guard. Is Luka on your first team as a guard? He is not. Okay, so I guess my my thing <laughs> is Luka started really slow, and I think a lot of people, I mean, I know that, I acknowledge that, but I think he's played at such an elite level lately, and his team's been winning basketball games, and they've they've been you know, at first they were in danger of falling to like the seven seed and we're like, well, maybe the wolves can pass the Mavs. Maybe they don't have to pass the nuggets. And now, I mean, the Mavs are the four seed and they're only a game back from the warriors for the three seed. So they've just been playing excellent basketball. Um, and Luca has been dominant. He's been defending and he's been just playing at an elite level. So I have him on my first team. Um, I, you said you don't have him on your first team. I'm assuming he's on one of your teams at some point. But he is. well, okay. <laughs> he is. Go yes. ahead and give your your first guard on your your team. John Morant. John Morant is not on my first team. <laughs> he is he is not on my first team. He almost he was, and then I did switch him. And the reason was, and I'll say this quick, and then you can give your piece on Ja. I just looked at games played and and how good his team has played without him. And I don't think that's a knock on him, but I don't think it strengthens his case. So that's my, that's why I put Ja. I have him on my second team. I'll say that. That's why I put Ja down there instead of on the first team, but say your piece on Ja because he's been incredible. Yeah. Well, we could have switched there because I have Luke on my second team. Okay. So, you know, and Jaw on my first team, I just think Jaw is, he's, he is an outstanding talent. Um, I think that, he has brought, um, and, you know, he has a, a great supporting cast, um, but he has brought the the Memphis Grizzlies to a, a whole new level. Um, you know, they they are an exciting team to watch. Um, the 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 guy plays with pace. He shoots the ball well, and he is athletic at his height. One of the most athletic players that I have witnessed in a long time at his size, um, and he has no fear. There's just no fear. You know, you, you made a great point. Um, and this is where I was stuck with it. You know, he has missed, I mean, his team's 21 and two without him. I mean, yeah, that's, that's 
in itself, you you wonder like how is this team twenty one and two without him? Um, but he's just he's just been he's just been pushing the needle, raising the needle the whole time he's been there, and uh, I just gave it to him. Yeah, and I don't think like they're a better team without him, but they're still a really good team without him. Where some of these players like you remove them and like it all tumbles down. Who? I want you to give your second guard on your first team because I'm interested to see if we got the same guy. Devin Booker. Okay, we got the same guy. Uh, Devin Booker, you know, leading scorer on the best team in the league, just been fantastic all season. He's also been, I think he's played, he's only missed like, you know, 10-ish games or so, Um, but he's just been dominant. And when you're on the best, you're, you know, the best player on the best team, or maybe you think CP3 is, I think obviously Devin Booker's, been playing more than than Paul has so he's just been dominant and like he's in the MVP conversation I'd say he's in the top five there um he's not gonna win it but he's been fantastic this year yeah I agree with everything you said there he's top five in MB and MVP um voting um just an outstanding player um outstanding shooter um you know Chris Paul goes down he's running the point they don't miss a beat um he just he just kept that kept that team in the first place uh, throughout. And uh, Phoenix is Phoenix is a tough out. They're a tough yeah. out for for They are a right well now. a well-oiled machine right now. They've yeah, Monty Williams incredible. does Monty Williams does a great job with with them. All right. I will go ahead. So my guards were Luca and Booker, yours were John Booker. I will go ahead give my first forward. I put Giannis Antetokounmpo on my first team. Obviously, MVP candidate. I see you nodding your head. Um, MVP candidate, top three, clear. I think no questions asked. He's on the NBA first team. And I don't, I think he's going to end up there. I think it'll be unanimous. I don't see anything really happening with him not being on there. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I have Giannis, same, same person. Um, he's the beast. I yeah. mean, I just watched him this week, just in a few games. I mean, he can get wherever he wants on the floor. Um, you know, I look at him sometimes and I, and I, I think back to KG playing and, you know, Giannis plays with that, that scowl on his face and he plays hard. He run you over. He's playing with emotion, defensive. He made a block last week against Embiid that I swear was a goaltend until I watched the replay. I mean, that was one of the most impressive plays I'd ever seen, um, you know, at the at an NBA game. I mean, he from one side and leave and just blocked the shot with his left hand. Just an unbelievable talent. Um, and he's just just a winner. He's just learned how to win and he's just gotten better every year. Yeah, he's still get that's the thing, is he's still getting better. He won back-to-back MVPs. <laughs> now he's getting he's getting better at different facets of his game, which is which is cool. Who is your other forward? Because I think. There might be controversy here, but it kind of depends how you approach this. So I want to see your other forward. Well, the, the controversy that you're talking about would be if I did, if I do positions or if I do positionless, you know, right. so I'm going, I put LeBron James in. Okay. Okay. I do not have LeBron James on my first team. So give your argument for LeBron on your first team. He's leading that bad team the way he is. I mean, at, at 30, what's he, 38, 37, 38? Um, you know, he's scoring crazy. Um, he's doing all the little things. Unfortunately, injuries have derailed that team and old age, um, I'm thinking as well. But 
LeBron is still LeBron. I mean, he's he's bringing it when he's on the court. I think he may be done for the season now. Um, but I don't know. He know. needs two more games to win the scoring title. You have to you have to play oh, have fifty eight to, play- to okay. fifty six. There's three games left. He's not going to play that <laughs> one. So if he plays the okay. last two, then he can get that scoring title. Which I mean. I think he cares about it more than he would ever admit that he cares about it. And so I think he might play those last two games, but the problem is he still has to do good because Embiid is right there, like a 10th of a point behind him. So he'd have to like, he can't just play in those games and sit because that'll drop his average. He has to actually like go get buckets in those last two games if he wants to win it. Yeah. And I think when you said that scoring title, I, I think that may be one thing he's never had. Right. And yeah, I don't his, know if he has days, but I don't think he's had the scoring. Well, I mean, title. Um, and because he's had to play, every... you know, Kobe was in his prime when he's young. Right. And then, you know, Dwayne Wade was scoring there. James, in like 06. James, James Harden, Harden, James Harden. I mean, yeah. you had, I mean, he's, so I don't know I mean, if he been, has, but he's been playing for a long time, but he's had some, some scores um, that he's, that he's played during that time. Right. Okay, so I do not have um, LeBron. I have Embiid as a forward. I went okay. the, I went the, okay. how the ballot will actually like, they allow him to do that this year. So I did it. Otherwise I wouldn't have done it. Um, but I just think like we talked about this last week and is top three MVP voting. I just hate to put him on second team. So I got Embiid there at my forward spot. Um, he's just been dominant. He, I mean, he draws fouls, which, you know, a lot of times, even myself, like we hate it. But he, I mean, if, if they didn't call it, he wouldn't do it. You know, he's, he's doing it cause they can, they call and they give it to him. But even without that, he gets fouled a lot too, just cause he is so dominant that you can't stop him. So you just foul him and hope he misses free throws. Cause that seems like a better avenue for you. So he's just been dominant. Like I said, second in the league in scoring. Um, he's also rebounded the ball really well and he passes the ball. Well, he shoots the three. Well, and he's just an all-around fantastic player. Yeah, he's had he's had a great year. Um, you know, he hasn't been injured. Um, that's that's been good. Um, you can see where he's really changed his body. Um, you know, he's he's he looks stronger. Um, he's running the floor better. Um, he's not on the floor as much as he has been in the past. He used to always be on the floor, um, and, and he has had a great season. Um, just doing outstanding things. Okay. So he's not on your team. You can get to him later. Who's your center then? Or maybe he is your center. He is my center. <laughs> okay. So you have him. He is my center. Yes. You have him over Nikola Jokic as that, that center yes. on the first team. Okay. Yes. So we kind of talked about Embiid. I'll go with my center. I do have Jokic and I have Embiid sitting next to him at that other forward spot. Um, Jokic, I think, has been fantastic this year. He's ridiculous. You look at his averages. He doesn't score as many points um, as, you know, Embiid does, but he just rebounds the ball at a historic rate. Um, He's scoring like 27 points a game. He's grabbing 13.7 rebounds and dishing out eight assists. Just ridiculous. His team without him would probably be like, bottom five in the league obviously it's due to injury you know if jamal murray and michael porter jr back Jokic's stats don't look as good team's probably better though so i just think he's been super impactful the most impactful player in the league this year um and he's been just dominant 
uh, in every facet, but their team, you know, like they're still fighting to stay in the playoffs They're not, you know, they might fall into the play in if the wolves get lucky. So, but I think he's just been too good to, to leave them off. So that's why I had to put Embiid and Jokic next to each other on that, that first team. Yeah. I'm, and, I, and I'm not, I have a positionless one too. He's on my first team in the positionless one. So the way that you have written up your first team, you know, I went, I went the old school guard. Right. And guard, we didn't forward, define forward, the rules. And we didn't define. So my positionless, I do have them both on the first team, but um, you know, I, I went with Embiid as a center. Um, just, you know, I just want to, I just want to see this, this guy hopefully win the MVP. I mean, for sure. you know, he's been, he's had a great season. So, and you can't go wrong with, with Jokic either. He's just outstanding. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, so let's go to second team now. So, well, let's review quick. I had Luca Booker, Giannis and beat Jokic and you had job ja, Booker, Giannis, Le- LeBron and LeBron. Embiid. Right. Okay. And then we already talked about this. I have John, my second team. You had Luca on your second team. So we've talked about them. We'll move on to our second guards um, on the second team. I actually have Chris Paul here. And I know Chris Paul has missed some games, but he still played 63 games. So he is well over the the limit to, you know, qualify for, um, like if he was going to win the scoring title, he's over that 58 number. Um, Teams 51 and 12 when he plays best team in the league. And he is, I'd say almost as important to that team as Devin Booker is. Um, and I just think he's been fantastic this year. So he's on, he's my second guard on my second team. Who you got? Well, Luke is a second guard on my second right. team. And Chris Paul is my, is my first guard. First on, guard. Okay. My, yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I guess I totally didn't agree. like, I didn't order mine. I guess I just was like, these are the two guards. These are the two forwards. Right. So I didn't like put them in order, but so you, well, got, you said it was your second one. That's why I had to come back at you like that. So got you. I, I didn't, but write. I, but I do think Ja has played better than CP three. So I guess I would say CP three is the second guard on my second all NBA team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have Chris Paul on there and, um, you said it, you said it right, man. I mean, he's, he's still doing this. <laughs> he's still Insane. doing this. He's, he's put, I mean, he's still doing this at a high level. And, uh, you know, I, I actually thought his Houston days, he was kind of winding down. It was like going to be the end and get out to Phoenix, like the rest of the old people. And he's had a, he's coming back, man. He's, he's bouncing back yeah. in that sunshine out there. So he's, ha- he's having a great last year. Great this year. What do you got for a forward on that second team? Jason Tatum. I got Jason Tatum too. He's my first forward on my second team. Again, Boston, kind of like, kind of like Utah or not Utah, Dallas started slow. And I mean, Boston has been fantastic lately. They've jumped all the way up to the two seed now. And they're just, they've been hot, like so good. They're tough. tough. They are great defensively. They hit shots. They are just like a well-oiled machine right now too. Um, I mean, some people might have them like their favorites out of the East now too. I've seen that a number of times. I don't know where I stand on all that. I haven't really sat down and thought about it, but right now they're a half game up on the bucks and 76ers for that two seed, but the lowest they could fall is to the four seed. So they're going to have home court advantage, but Jason Tatum, obviously the best player on that team. And he's been great. Uh, You got anything to add? Oh, he's been, he's been great. He's been doing everything. And it's really funny. Something you just mentioned, 
you know, um, Dallas making that run late and Boston making that run late. Two brand new coaches on those teams. Okay, you know, it takes it takes almost time. like it takes a little time. It takes, to it get takes a little going. time to get stuff going to understand what's you know going on. You know, what's what's the coach trying to do? He's trying to figure out the team where people play and then they get it and the team starts rolling. And uh, yeah, you know, Jason's had a great year, you know, him and <laughs> that whole team. They, they've just been playing well as of late. I and mean, right after the All-Star break, they just took it on hard. Yeah. And Jason's played in like, I think, 70 something of the 74 games and they got three left, I think. So like he hasn't missed that. Like he's been there yeah. too, which also helps his case because he's available and he's he's ready yes. to play. So so he's my first one as well. I'll throw out my second one. Um, and you're gonna notice that someone's missing after I say this. I have DeMar DeRozan on my second team as my second forward, and he's kind of slipped a little bit, especially his team has slipped a little bit at the end here. But again, De, like I just said with Tatum, DeRozan has played um 73 games he's averaging 28 points a game and he's hit huge shots all season he's been the best player for the bulls this year and i mean the bulls right now are the five seed so they're not like they dropped off into the play-in tournament um i think they've pretty much locked up they could possibly fall to seven but they're pretty much locked up into either five or six and i think he's just been fantastic I went with Kevin Durant. <laughs> I don't know. Can't go has wrong he played, with Kevin Durant. Has he played enough games? <laughs> I I have to. I don't know. 50, he's played less than LeBron. He's played fifty-one, and he's had a fantastic season. I will just tell you this: I don't have Kevin Durant on my ballot at all. <laughs> okay. Purely be not purely because of the games. He's played fifty-one, which you know that's not a lot more than half of the season. But the other thing is the Nets are just, uh, yeah, they're in the play-in tournament. You know, they're pretty much, I mean, they could get the eight seed. Otherwise it'll be nine or 10. And like, even with him, they're 32 and 19, you know, even in the games that he's played, it's not like he's played fantastic. And they're like 45 and six when he plays. And then they're just bad when he's been out. Like, they still are losing games with them. And it's been a whole weird world, weird whirlwind of Kyrie Irving and James Harden and the trade and all this just annoying stuff going on. Um, but when he has played individually, he's been fantastic. I just don't think the team has been good enough and that he has played enough games to qualify for this, but he's been one of the 15 best players in the game, undoubtedly. But I just had to, I got to take it all into account. No, I, I totally understand that. And what I took into account was before he went down, I think they were in first place. Yeah. I think, I think they were in first place before he went down. And then James did his, his thing and decided he wanted to come to Philly and, yeah. uh, you know, stop playing. Kyrie has been on his thing all season long. Uh, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you with, with what you said. Um, you, great points there. Um I just look at KD. He's a he's a bad man. <laughs> he's a yeah, bad I mean, he's third man. in the league in scoring. <laughs> he's he's literally like 0.7 percent on his three point percentage from being 50, 40, 90 this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, that efficiency, scoring 30 points a game is insane. It's insane. 
and he's yeah. been fantastic. Um, but I don't have him on mine on my second team. So you said both your guards, you had CP3 and Luca, and then you had Tatum and Durant, and I have Tatum and DeRozan. And then we get to the center spot, and I'm assuming you have Jokic at the center spot here. No, I didn't put him on. Yeah, yes. He's at the center spot, yes. Okay, yes. and we've Jokic already talked about Jokic. Jokic. He's been fantastic. Yes. So since I haven't beaten Jokic on the first team, I have – You got Cat there, huh? I got Cat at, at that um, second team center spot. I think he's pretty much um, kind of locked up. We talked about this before with, like, the Zach Lowe thing. Um, but I think he's also just meant more to his team and right. his team is like outperforming expectations where like Rudy Gobert, who would be the only other guy I would consider, I think at this spot has like, they've underachieved and there's like yes. some drama going on in Utah. So I got cat on the second team as that center. Um, do you want to add anything to cat or do you want to wait later and we'll see if he's on your third team or what do you want to do with that? Um, we can wait. Okay. So Okay, so I got Ja, CP3, Tatum, DeRozan, Towns. You had Luca, CP3, excuse me, CP3, Luca, Tatum, Durant, and Jokic. Jokic. Yeah. All right, third team. My first team, or excuse me, my first guard on my third team is Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry's had a really good season. Um, he's kind of slipped a little bit. But the team's still really good. They're 45 and 19 when he plays. Um, they're sitting right now as the third team in the West. Maybe they'll fall to four. Um, but I just think that they've been really good. Right now he's out with an injury too. Yes. Um, but I don't know exactly what the timetable is. But it sounds like he'll be back at some point for the in the playoffs. playoffs. They said for the playoffs, yeah. So, so. Um, yeah, I think he's played pretty good. But the team's just good and he's their best player. So, I thought he deserved a spot because he's still Steph Curry. It's just like, if you're not like MVP Steph Curry, you drop down a little bit. It's like, he's like having a bad year, but he's just been so great that it just seems right. a little bit worse. Yeah. So I have Steph Curry there as well. So, uh, you know, we, we, we do agree sometimes. So it happens. Um, Every now know, and Steph then. is, Steph is, he's a, he's a, he's a great player. Um, shooter. Um, he is the leader of that team. Um, yeah. Unfortunately he got hurt. Um, he get it's crazy, you know. Thompson comes back, Draymond gets hurt. <laughs> Draymond comes back, Steph I think gets they hurt. Played so those, like, what did they say they was, played together? 15, like eleven minutes. Eleven yeah, minutes, like 11 something to like that. Fifteen minutes, something like that. With yes. those three, crazy. Yeah. Who do you got as your second, your other guard on that third team? So I I put this other guard on my third team, Donovan Mitchell. I did also, but it it was pretty tough for me because I. <laughs> Trey Young was the other player I was kind of mm. like hesitant about. Hawks are the eight seed and Utah is the six seed. Um, possibly could fall to seven, possibly could jump up to five. Um, Trey Young's been fantastic this year too. So I want to give him a little bit of a shout out. He's six in scoring, shooting the ball really well. Um, like he always does passing the ball really well. Also, I think he's leading the league in assists. No, he's third. He's third in the lead in assists. So yeah, but I did go with Donovan Mitchell. Um, tell me why you went with Donovan Mitchell. He's just uh, just a talent, as a great talent. Um, you know, he's the leading scorer on the team. Um, he does so many things on the court. Uh, you know, his his specialty is the offense. 
um, you know, with his step backs and his, his Euro steps getting to the hole, but total, total player. Um, he, he leaves it on the court um, every time he's on the court and uh, he just, he just gives it, gives us all. Um, I just thought he was deserving, um, you know, Utah, as, as we said, they've been on this little roller coaster, but you know, when he's, when he's been out there, he's been consistent. Yeah. And I totally agree with everything, everything you said, he's played 65 games and they won 40 of them. So he's been, he's been impactful, but you know, best player on that team. So, yeah, I think that he's been, he's been great. So he, he did end up getting it over Trey young for me, but I did go back and forth a little bit on that one. Um, I'll go to my first forward on this one. And I, you know, so on this last team, I really considered, do I put KD and LeBron or do I just say neither has played enough? Both teams aren't good enough that I'm just going to just drop them off and just give some love to some other guys. Cause it's for fun. And I don't really right. care. Like, you know, I don't have the actual <laughs> you votes. Don't get a vote, right? <laughs> I didn't have to think too hard about it, but I did, I did struggle back and forth. I decided to not put KD or LeBron on at all. Mostly, you know, what we talked about the gameplay and all right. that. Um, and you gave them their flowers. So I want to, you know, give a couple of flowers to some other people. So my first forward forward on this team is actually Jimmy Butler. Miami Heat are <laughs> sitting at the one seed. And to be a one seed and not have, I feel like it'd be highway robbery to not have somebody on an all NBA team. Um, and he has played uh really good this season. Obviously, he's not like a great scorer, but he's still scoring 21 points per game. Um, he's played 55 games. So he's played only like he's played less than LeBron, but his team's the right. one seed. You know, LeBron's right. team is like the 10 seed. So I had to go with Jimmy here. Um, he's been really good and the heat are really good and they deserve somebody on there. So that's kind of my thing is he's their best player. They're the one seed. They have to have somebody. So I'm going to give it to to Jimmy Butler, no matter how much Timberwolves fans hate Jimmy Butler, right? You still have to respect that he's a hell of a player. <laughs> um, I went with Jimmy Butler as well in the same spot. And, um, you know, it's, I've, I've actually seen Jimmy Butler play since he was in college because I was coaching at Villanova um, and, you know, Villanova Marquette thing there. And I remember Jay Wright asked me, he said, what do you think about this kid? I said, he's going to be a pro. Now did I think he was going to be the pro that he's become. No, but He's a, he's a hell of a player. Um, you know, guy gives it up on both ends of the court. Um, yeah. Like you said, he's not a, this great scorer, but he, he does it. He scores the ball. He passes the ball. He rebounds the ball. He's just that tough nosed, hardworking player. And I, and I put him in the same spot that you had. Perfect. So who is next on your, your list then? DeMar DeRozan. All right. So then I had DeMar there. Anything to add on DeMar and, and the fantastic year that he's had this season? He is the throwback player. Um, what I love about DeMar DeRozan is he's mid-range DeMar. He's not going to let anyone change what he does. You know, he will shoot a few threes here or there. I was a mid-range guy. Um, you know, I right. came in, it wasn't a big three point. The three wasn't big back then, you know, um, he's a mid-range guy, he makes his shots, um, and he's a fourth quarter, just in the fourth quarter, he will just, ooh. He's, he's kind of like he's, the wing version of Chris Paul, mid-range, yes. fourth quarter, you know, like, he's just got it like that, and he's, he's done a fantastic job doing that this season. Yes, I totally agree with you. Okay, so you got DeRozan there. Uh, I have Pascal Siakam, another thing where I wanted to give, okay. you know, somebody, and the, you know, I struggled, I thought, there's a couple of people I, I thought about for this. Um, 
I thought about putting uh, Brandon Ingram here. He's only played 54 games, but I think he's done a really good job. And the Pelicans have made a run where they were kind of bottoming out at the beginning of the year. Obviously, they made the right. trade, got CJ McCollum, but I thought I think he's been playing really good. I thought of a couple other guys too, you know, Chris Middleton. He's had a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I just I ended on Pascal Siakam. I think that he's the best. Obviously, I think he's the best player on the Raptors. I think the Raptors have done a really good job this season. Right now, they currently, you know, they sit as that uh, sixth seed. And um, yeah, I think that they've just kind of been on a roll and he's just deserving of it. I think, I think that he um, doesn't get enough credit. He, he was, his trajectory is kind of weird because it was like, okay, Pascal Siakam's just like this guy, boom, wins most improved player. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, he's one of the best players in the league. And now it feels like without his game getting worse, like people have started to think he's worse. Um, So I just want to give him, a little bit of love. And since I wasn't putting KD or, or LeBron, I had a spot for him, especially um, I was lacking on forward spots because Embiid was a forward on my list. Right. But um, I still had to get Siakam in there. Yeah. I actually thought about him. Um, you know, um, I, I really did think about him when I was, but I went with Butler for the reason that you said the, the number one team and, you know, the Rosen, you know, I was, it was really tough there. And I did think about Siakam love the way he plays. Um, and you know, like his, he, wasn't he hurt last year? He was hurt for a bit. And I he might be just coming back. I think he, he had missed some game. He had missed some time either last year or the year before. And I think that that kind of, you know, that, yeah, that, last, that curve I mean, there. Both seasons. So last year he missed, I guess, 16 games. And he missed about that amount of games the year before. But he's had, you know, a couple of those injuries where it's like, yes, you keeps him out for a, just a chunk of time. But I feel like right. when he's out, you really see the impact that he has because yes. he's not there and he's yes. just missing. Um, you can see that missing piece is gone. Um, and then I think people appreciate him a little bit more right. when he comes back. All right. So I need to know who is your third team center um, because Cat. <laughs> it's cat. It's cat. Yes. And it's I have Cat. Gobert just because, you know, I have those other three up there. Right. Um, I want to say that I considered some other guys, you know, I want to say like, you know, like there are a couple other guys, you know, Bam Adebayo, he's on the best team in the Eastern conference and, sure. you know, Deandre Ayton's on the best team in the league. But when it came down to it, Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players of all time. And his impact on that side of the ball is undeniable. And I don't want to think too much about like, Whose team is it in Utah? And what's they're not passing Gobert the ball? And I don't know if you saw the stat about like Donovan Mitchell only passes Rudy Gobert the ball two point three times per game. Passes, not assists. <laughs> passes. Um, so there's like that whole drama. But he's been he's been really good um, defensively, like he always is. But yeah, Aiton also hadn't played that many games. I thought about Jaron Jackson Jr. for a slight moment because you know he's on a really good team. He's been available. You know, he's played 75 of their like 80 games so far, 79 games. So he's only missed a handful and he's been a force on defense and he's been really good on offense. Um, Other guy, you know, Jonas Valanciunas has had a good year, but ultimately I think Embiid, Jokic, Towns and Gobert are the clear cut four best centers in the league. Um, And then you kind of drop down a tier. So um, I'm glad I could get him on there because it just seems like 
all four of those guys are of cat Gobert, and beat Jokic are in that top 15 of guys. Um, so it's good that I could get them on there. What do you want to say about, about cat? Cause I didn't really say anything about cat on the second team. So what do you want to say about cat? Yeah, I just, I mean, cat's just taking his game to another level, uh, this year. Um, you know, with everything that he's been through over the last year, year, year and a half, you know, with family and everything, he's just been able to focus on his game, take it to another level, push the team to another level. Um, he's shooting the ball, um, from three outstanding wins a three point contest. Um, yeah. you know, he's, he's playing with a gr- great aggression, um, driving the ball and he looks really comfortable, um, in Chris Finch's system and, uh, looks like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah. He for sure looks like he's having a lot of fun, which is cool <laughs> because, you know, the last, I mean, like you said, everything he went through, it's good that he's finding that joy in playing the game, but he also, like we said, the team is just like actually good. You know, they currently are sitting, um, I think like 11, 12 games over 500 right now. Uh, yeah, they're all 11 games over 500 right now. When Cat has played, they are 43 and 29 in the 72 games that he's played. He's averaging like 25 points per game. He's almost at 10 rebounds per game. He's at 9.8. I don't think he'll quite get there. The rebounding numbers are just with the, the style of defense he's played. He's pulled away from the basket a lot more. Um, so I don't think he's gotten to be a worse rebounder you know he used to average like 12 I think he's just not in with the system he's just not in the spot to get those rebounds anymore um I think he's a solid passer we see him kind of go up and down with his passing tries to get a little bit too fancy Mm -hmm. and then the numbers kind of suffer a lot of turnovers and then he kind of gets it together but um yeah and obviously one of the he's the best big man shooter in the league right now we don't have to talk about Dirk but in the league right now nobody better 41 percent from deep on high volume is just great. And then he shoots really well from, from everywhere else on the floor too. So he's just a dominant offensive player. And I think I would, I would say he's like good on defense. I think I would say he's good. Like he's an above average defender now in this system, which is just good. I mean, don't ask him to play drop defense, but, (laughs) but in this, you know, in this aggressive scheme, he's, I'd say he's a good defender, which has always been the knock on him was as his defense was bad. So He's been great. He's been great. Yeah, and, and like I said, he, he played well over this last stretch defensively, and it's just going to get better, um, you know, as, 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 we, as we progress through the season here, the end of the season into the playoffs. And, you know, because the game was the, – the defensive intensity is just going to pick up, so he, he's going to be ready for it. Um, I think that uh, Coach has them in the right spots, um, and the team's going to be ready. For sure. Um, yeah, so those are our teams. I'm going to go – I just want to run back through just so people can hear them all again. I'll run through my, all three of my teams quick. First team, I had Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Second team, I had John Morant, Chris Paul, Jason Tatum, DeMar DeRozan, and Carl Anthony Towns. And on the third team, I had Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, and Rudy Gobert um, with a with an asterisk saying that KD <laughs> and um, LeBron's team suck and they haven't played enough. <laughs> My first team was John Morant, Devin Booker, LeBron James, Giannis, Embiid. Second team, Chris Paul, Luca, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Jokic. Third team, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, 
Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, and Cat. So those are our all NBA teams. Uh, Doug and I decided that we think next time we sit down to record that we're going to talk about the other awards, MVP, defensive player of the year, uh, six man of the year, coach of the year. We're going to try and do them all. That one's going to be, I think that I'm going to have to, like we talked about, I think I'm going to have to rely on some other people who have watched some stuff. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I, but I want to formulate my own opinions too within it, but I think that'll be interesting. I just don't want to crowd the show. Plus, like, I'm not fully decided on my MVP yet. So I need these last three, four games to see who I'm going to pick because, like, it's so close that, like, one great performance could just flip it, you know? Like, or if one guy's team loses all the rest of their games, like, that can, I mean, I can be swayed because I'm, like, on the fence right now. So I won't say between who, but I'm on the fence. Uh, so we'll go through those those next time, and then we'll talk about you know, the Wolves games that have happened. Um, by that time, I don't know when we'll record, but by that time we'll have a clearer picture of if the Wolves will be the sixth or the seventh seed. And then we'll just kind of go from there and and then it's playoff time. I mean, at least play in time, but playoff time, hopefully, which like I've never covered the playoffs. Like I, I didn't start covering the team until after that. And obviously you haven't been podcasting for a playoff run. So it'll be fun to fun to see that. Um, do you have any last closing thoughts about, I mean, the Wolves, the NBA at large, anything before we, we end today's yeah, show? Yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm just hoping the Wolves finish this this uh, this week out. These three home games. Let's finish out three and zero, and go into, you know, hopefully the playoffs and not the play in. But if it's the play in, um, let's go into it ready to play, ready to go. Um, you know, hopefully we go three and zero and. Denver goes 0 and 3. Um, and, I mean, Denver uh, can go 1 and 2, and we can go 3 and 0, and we're good. But <laughs> yeah, they can go 0 and 3, too. I don't really, care. Like, yeah. they can lose them all. But yeah, I mean, even just winning those last three, you get a little bit of momentum, you get into the playoffs or the play in or whatever. But like, if they win the next three, that's a five game winning streak, is a little bit of confidence boost kind of going into it. So I think it'd be good. Yeah. Also, Chicago might be fighting for some, too. So that might be a tough game if you win that one, you're feeling pretty good. Um, and that could have, you know, seating implications. So I'm excited yeah, to see. Chicago definitely is fighting. Chicago yeah. is definitely fighting right now. Yeah. But uh, regardless, um, I'm just excited for it. But I think that's all we got today. We'll be back, like I said, for sure within the next week. Um, whenever Doug and I find like we have time or we have <laughs> something we need to talk about, we'll uh, we'll get it set up. But thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. If you guys ever have questions, you can always tweet them at me, tweet them at Doug. Um, then we can answer some questions in the show and stuff like that. Things you want us to talk about, but, um, thank you all for listening. This has been the believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by bet online. I'm your host, Brent Hedke sitting across from Doug West, and we will be back soon. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.